I had the opportunity to write several books over the years, and uh, the first book that I wrote was written out of deep concern as a dad uh, concerned about his children. They were young at the time. They are grown now. And that book I wrote was all about how do we communicate biblical truth to our children in the area of sexuality. I was concerned back then. Now, I would say that the book, when it was written, was a bit ahead of its time. And I tried my best to cover not just what the scriptures say, but then to apply that directly to what children were being exposed to back in that day. Well, today, it's, uh, it's behind the times. I would love to rewrite the book and write it with a perspective in mind that the challenges that existed back then, well, they've been multiplied many times over today. The dangers our children are facing are incredible. Back when I wrote that book, I spent a great deal of time trying to imagine what it was like for an innocent, impressionable young person to grow up and be exposed to sexual messages. Today, it is bombardment. Today, it is distortion. Today, it is confusion. And so with that in mind, I want to encourage you as a parent to talk to your children about sexuality and to be totally anchored to biblical truth. And I'm going to give a few good reasons why you can do that, as well as how you should do that. As I go back to the book, I feel there's a great deal of good information there. And what I'm trying to do is then bring it to this day in which the challenges, as I said, are many. Now, one of the things I think is vitally important is that we take a positive view of sexuality. Our children, they, they need to understand that we're not against sex. Sex is wonderful, and we want to enjoy it to the fullest. That's why we follow God's commands. He is the creator of our sexuality. That needs to be emphasized and repeated, because we live in a day in which God's created order of male-female and then the two becoming one has been put aside by those that think that somehow they know better than God. Our children need to understand a biblical perspective on this because it really comes right from the hand of God. He is the creator of our sexuality. He is the best qualified to specify the boundaries of his expression so that we can enjoy it to the fullest. Who are we to think otherwise? And by the way, that statement that I just shared with you, I made that statement over 30 years ago. Who are we to think otherwise when it comes to to sexuality and how sex works best. And yet there are so many self-proclaimed experts that think they know more about sex than the God who designed it. They look at Christians as, well, prudes, uh, archaic. One writer years ago made this statement, and I appreciated it very much. It said, under the flag of realism, it has become fashionable to praise candidness in sex, to converse in four-letter frankness about the most basic functions of the body, and to favor total bluntness in speech on TV, in magazines, and in everyday conversations. It's especially true, by the way, of movies today, is it not? Every attempt has been made to remove from our lives any semblance of decency and restraint. Today, heaven knows anything goes. What has gone is commitment, discipline, and making distinctions between right and wrong. 
and the refusal on the part of many to partake of relationships in depth. The fact that most people in the USA do not want their moral sensibilities bombarded by indecencies does not mean we are opposed to sex or insensitive to sexually transmitted diseases. Quite the contrary. It shows that we respect sex, so much so that we do not want to see it demeaned. And then this author concludes with a strong statement, and that is, a lack of standards always means disaster and death, and that is exactly what we're seeing in this culture. So what do we do? We must prepare our children to stand up against the critics of biblical Christianity. Not going to be easy, admittedly. It's not going to be easy because the message has permeated so much of the culture. But we need to take a stand on what biblical truth clearly teaches us. And our children's best defense is a good offense. A proper presentation and modeling of biblical truth is absolutely essential. We need, in our homes, in our families, and we need to be sharing with our children a biblical attitude toward sex that begins with appreciation for the body as a tool of sexual expression. When you dig into the Word of God, you discover that the Bible's view of the human body challenges those that tend to devalue and even degrade what God has created as good. God's Word says that by its very nature, the body is good. Although it can be used in the wrong way, it is intrinsically good. We have been handcrafted by God. When God finished creating the universe, what did he do? He took a step back, looked at it, and and saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And the climax of his creative work was the creation of Adam and his counterpart Eve. Adam recognized the wonders of the divine craftsman. When he looked upon Eve and shouted with delight, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. By the way, in the original language, he's excited because there's a oneness that's going to come that he otherwise would never experience. The entrance of sin into the world did not destroy the basic goodness of the human body. The Apostle Paul reminded the early church that although creation had come under the negative influence of sin, What God created, it remains good. Paul said it this way, For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 4. Since God created the human body, and all that he created is good, the body, even with its needs and desires, is good. Now, how do we look at this in terms of God's gift of sexuality, a gift given to every married couple? Responding to the faulty beliefs of the Corinthians, The Apostle Paul wrote, The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord is for the body. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 13. In other words, the Lord sees the body as good and does not want it to be used improperly. That our bodies are a tool to bring honor and glory to God. And that includes in a proper sexual relationship in marriage. Our bodies are are tools, literally, where we do the work that God has called us to do. For we are, in living in his bodies, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. We all have a divine mission. We accomplish that mission within this, this fleshly tent of ours. And then one day we will give an account for the things done well in the body, whether good or bad. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. Notice that the things done through the body can be good or bad. They can be valuable or they can be worthless. It's really up to us. The body's our tool to glorify God. He gave it to us to serve Him. Therefore, it's not only good in itself, but it can also be used 
to do the good work he has called each of us to do. Now, the death of our Savior, the death of Jesus Christ, purchased our bodies as well as our soul and our spirit. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Paul refers to the body, our dwelling place, which was purchased at Calvary. Our bodies were bought with the death of Christ. And then our Lord's resurrection guarantees that he will one day get all that he paid for, including us in an uncorruptible, immortal body, even better bodies than we have now. He is going to accomplish that. Again, we see the importance of the body as the temple of the Spirit of God. Would Jesus Christ give his life for anything of little value? I don't think so. Would he bother to resurrect something that was worthless? I don't think so. So we need to ask ourselves, how do we view our bodies? And then, of course, how in the world do our children view their bodies? Do they view their body as a gift from God, a gift that is the place where they can live out their life? Unfortunately, in the day in which we live, there is a lot of attacks on body image, and so we find ourselves being crippled in this regard. But the human body is valuable to God to the point where he has promised that one day these bodies will be resurrected, made new, to be like the body he had after he defeated death. Now, I am a realist, and so I imagine that a lot of us would have a problem trying to communicate effectively this important truth, that God has given us each a gift, and that gift is this physical body in which when we come to Christ, the Spirit of God lives within us, but that our body is the place where we accomplish the work God's given us to do, because we live in a day in which there's so much emphasis placed on the externals that uh, a lot of people aren't too thrilled with how they look, what their body is like. But we need to get to the point where we emphasize the body is a gift God has given to the point where God is one day going to take these bodies of ours and give us a body like Jesus had when he rose again from the dead. Now, this is not a topic that I suspect few of us talk about, but we need to. We need to go to the scriptures and demonstrate this is a future reality. It is hard to comprehend, but that is the reality clearly taught in the Word of God. In order now to talk about sex, though, we need to know what we're talking about in terms of some kind of a definition. How would you define sex? Would you talk about the sexual act? What is sex? And, you know, to the prostitute, what is it? It's a commodity, right? To the, to the media merchants of our day, it's a way to attract an audience. I mean, they, we sell everything imaginable. And, of course, there's usually some kind of a sexual attraction in terms of the presentation, no matter what in the world is being sold. But to most in, in our day, in our culture, it's the ultimate passion. It's the ultimate pleasure. But how would you, as a follower of Christ, how would you define sex? What words come to your mind? Does your definition reflect a positive perspective, or, or does it reflect a, maybe a painful past? Now, more importantly, what do your children think about sex? How would they define sex? Would they associate it with dating, love, romance? What words would they use? Now, defining sex in this day and age is no easy task, no doubt about it. But we need to anchor to biblical truth. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, and it's still living and active today despite the fact that it's being broadly rejected in our day. So defining sex, not easy, but we can, I think, just narrow it down to a simple statement. 
Sex is really a gift. It is. It's something that God has given. Just go back to the original creation. Sex is God's gift. Now, he placed it in a context, and that context was the first couple where he presided, he officiated, husband and wife. God's good gift, and it's to a married couple. And it's given for two things, that's for sure, enjoyment and for procreation, for having children. Think about that for a moment. Go back to the creation account. God gave this to Adam and Eve in order to come together to become one. The two shall become one flesh. And when you use this definition, you keep in mind that sex as a gift is to be opened at a certain point in time. And I would say to you, ideally, it's a wedding present that's filled with delights that can last a lifetime. It's a communion between a couple that can produce another person. It's a sacred union made possible by divine design. And all this, all this is God's idea. And we need to proclaim that to the world and especially to our children.